Hi, this is Katie Corcoran. Welcome to my podcast, Conscious Katie. Here I tell stories about how my personal health journey became a spiritual one, and the wild ride that comes with living consciously. Hello, thank you for joining. This is episode two, and today we're going to talk about walking away. Walking away can be an incredibly liberating experience, but it can also be a terrifying experience. In pretty much all cases, it's going to require some sort of sacrifice, and that can be really difficult, especially when we're weighing the pros and cons of staying or going, whether it be a relationship, a job, a home, a particular circumstance, anything. So I want to talk about the energetics behind that and knowing when it really is time to go and what keeps us dragging our our feet. And also when sometimes maybe it's not true to walk away, but we think that maybe that's the only option we have. So walking away, I can certainly put it in the context of when I walked away from my career. There, It wasn't so much this big conscious decision of, I am walking away from my career. Never again will I enter these hallowed halls. When I left my job, there was certainly a great deal of like escape energy, I would say, because I had allowed myself to remain in a situation that was no longer good for me. It was a toxic situation. It was a situation that had been calling me (laughs) to change for a while, and I was very resistant to do so. As the universe does, the longer we hold on, Generally, the worse the circumstances get because it's like, hey, you need to move, you need to shift, and you're not clearly getting the message. So (laughs) things are just going to get worse and worse. And so finally, you're like, okay, okay, I'll go. But in the meantime, you've had to deal with all this other shit. So that was definitely an aspect of where I found myself. Just to rewind a little bit, I had started my career in 2008. I graduated college in 2007 and I I took a year off in between to deal with illness. I was really depressed. I was very sick. And I, I started my job in 2008 and I was really grateful for that job. I was literally the last hire because the Great Recession hit and it was a really perfect situation for me. I tell the story to people coming out of the other side of that year off after college, I had reached the point where I was, I was ready to start the next chapter, but I really didn't know where to go, what to do. So one day I just prayed and I was like, God, I need some sort of structure in my life. I don't care what that structure is. If it's a new set of friends, if it's a job, whatever it is, just give me something that I can build a new life around. And literally within days, really out of the blue, 
I was offered to come on as a summer intern. It was, it was a really funny story. My sister had asked me to babysit for a family that she built a relationship with. When I was off at college, she was still uh, in high school and a new family had moved into the neighborhood and she had babysat for them a few times. And lo and behold, one time she had a conflict. And so she asked me, could you fill in? And I, of course, was kind of like, oh. And so I went and they were perfectly nice people and they asked me to come back again. And so I ended up uh, babysitting for them a few times and I had no idea what they did for a living or, or anything. And I remember a father asking me where I'd gone to school, what I had studied, what I was doing. And I just answered those questions as you would kind of expect. It's almost like, oh, just making conversation. But I had no idea that he might be contemplating offering me a job. And so I show up there a few days after I had said this prayer. And he says to me, I work at such and such company. We're, we're in this department. We do this kind of work. What would you think about coming on to my group as a summer intern? <laughs> in retrospect, it it's total magic. I, of course, in the moment was incredibly grateful and surely surprised. I did not see the coming at all, but of course, apprehensive and a little hesitant to receive and a little scared of, is this, what is this going to be like? What's this going to look like? And so I told him I'd think about it. <laughs> and I remember I went um, to play tennis with my dad and I told him this guy had offered me a job. And my dad was like, um, you're going to take it, right? And I was like, I mean, I don't know. It's like, what else are you going to do? Like, what do you, what else are you holding out for? Um, so I, I kind of realized, yeah, he's right. Like, this is literally what I asked for on a silver platter. And so I went back and gratefully accepted. And it, <laughs> my boss always, I mean, he was the best boss, but he would always tease me a little bit of like, yeah, we had to really persuade Katie to come on, which was true. But once I was there, I was fully in it. That job, that structure served me so well. It gave me that work structure. It just taught me everything I needed to know at that time about the adult working worlds. What was it like to work in an office? What was it like now? Okay, you've gotten to school all these years. How does it work in terms of applying everything you've learned? Do you end up applying any of it? Um, how does this go? And there was a girl a year older than I who had been with the group a couple of years and she was training me. And then another girl joined who was two years older than I. And so it was just so ideal. It was this small group of people who were very kind, very smart, very well educated. And we took our work seriously. They took the time to train me. And ultimately, we developed personal relationships. And so out of that job, I got a group of friends as well as a job. And so I got really all the structures I had asked for. And it was just incredible. Over the years, I worked my way up from summer intern to manager. And during those years, and I'll probably detail this in future episodes, there were times where I had to step back a little bit from that job. Uh, or a couple times I had to move to part-time temporarily. I took a three-month sabbatical later on to 
get the really intense treatment once I'd been diagnosed with Lyme. And they really worked with me. They really went out of their way to make that happen for me and to keep my job open for when I returned. And even if they didn't understand always what was going on with me health-wise, they fully supported it and really never questioned me or gave me a hard time about it. I just, I, I will always remain grateful to everyone for that. That was enormous. I ended up being there for about seven years total. And during that time, as I said, I was going through my health journey. And as I was coming out the other side of that, in other words, as I was getting well, I was starting to get healthy from the Lyme. I was, I'd finished my treatments, that I was recovering and regaining my strength and everything. I reached a point in parallel with my career where I was at that point where it was time to choose uh, a pass in the hierarchy of the company. Having reached a manager position, it was what sort of track do you want to take as you craft your career? Or do you want to switch gears and try something different before you go too far down the line? It was perfect timing because the job had been something that I was really proud of over the years. And I was working my way up and I was learning so many different things and building connections. But it was also still in junior roles. And so now I was at a point where I could make those decisions from a more powerful place because I had my health. And it was really the first time that I could say, okay, what do I really want? Because my focus had been for so long on just like go to work, do a good job, and then focus on health. You know, so weekends were rest and recovery. During the week, it was doctor's appointments and kind of throughout it was taking whatever I needed to take and doing whatever I needed to do. And for a while, I really felt like there was no end in sight to that. It was just, this is my reality. I don't really have much of a life beyond that. But I was grateful for it. The job, even the money I needed to help fund a lot of this. I was living at home with my parents because A, I couldn't afford not to. And B, I couldn't take care of myself fully. You know, I didn't really have the strength after working to come home and cook dinner every night. They also were supplementing when I needed money for different treatments because pretty much all my treatments were not covered by health insurance. Even though I had great health insurance in my company, I was doing a lot of alternative health stuff for, you know, what the system deemed alternative. And so I was paying out of pocket for all that. And that was really, really expensive. In any case, so I reached this point where it's like, okay, what do you want to do? And as part of my rehab, one of my practitioners sent me to an osteopath that could help as I gained strength back and rehabbed my body. And she had said to me, she's also a little psychic, so, you know, that's kind of neat too. And I was like, okay. And again, I was at this point where that was definitely new and different, but I, that didn't turn me off in any way. If anything, it really piqued my curiosity. It was like, okay, cool, sure. <laughs> Let's hear what the psychic has to say. And so this woman, she certainly didn't advertise herself as a psychic. She was a legitimate osteopath. But she, for those who were open and those who asked about it and wanted to know, would share what she would receive as we were going through standard osteopathic sessions. 
So she kind of introduced me to this whole thing of spirit guides. She'd be saying like, oh, the guides are saying this, that, and the other. And I got to really like those sessions because I was looking for guidance, absolutely. And it was a great introduction to this whole other world. I had been raised Catholic, so I had been introduced to the idea of angels and higher beings and all of that. So that wasn't a huge leap for me to now be receiving messages through this lady from guides. So for a year or two, I, I was strengthening that muscle and opening that side of myself just by being open and receiving that and, and trying to act on whatever guidance I was receiving. And as I was getting healthier, I was able to move out of my parents' home into my first apartment in the city, which was really great. And I had a really great group of friends that originated with friends from work, which was amazing. So I felt like I was settling into, as I headed into my late 20s, what I deemed normalcy. Like, oh, okay, I can finally live a normal life where I go to work and then I have enough stamina to go out on the weekends and have friends or maybe even go out on a weeknight and meet new people and try different things and just have different experiences. So I was really holding on to that and wanting that for myself. And it had only been a few months that I had been in my apartment and starting this new life. And this lady is saying to me, you got to go to London. You got to go to London. And I was like, okay, yeah, you know, I've kind of always sensed that I will like London. I had never been, but it kept getting stronger. And she kept telling me, it's getting to be the time to go. And in parallel to that, as much as my job had always been this great thing and the workplace had always been a really friendly environment for me, changes were happening. There were um, changes in leadership. The culture was starting to change a little bit. Um, it was starting to be less comfortable, not just for me, but a, a lot of us were feeling the change and starting to question if we wanted to stay. We were starting to contemplate our options and think about maybe making moves. Uh, so in hindsight, okay, perfect timing. This lady's telling me, hey, it's time to move on. Go to London. The chapter here is winding down. But I was holding on so hard because I was like, no, I felt like I, I just got here. I just got to this place in my life that I didn't know when I was going to get here. And it was a long haul. It was many, many years. And I just want to enjoy it. Like, what the hell, man? <laughs> you know, I remember one of my doctors saying to me, okay, you know, kind of come out the other side. You should take this, 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 this those different supplements. And I mean, I was very diligent for years. I'd wake up every morning, I'd have all these different pills to take. And again, it was mostly homeopathics. And I would take it and I would take the ones that I needed to take at lunch in my pocket so that I didn't forget during the day when I was at work, all that. Anyway, I just looked at her in that moment and it just came through me where I was like, do I have to take these? Like, is it really critical that I take these? And she could read the energy. She could feel it in me. Because I said to her, I just want to be normal. I want to know what it feels like to be normal. I want to know what it feels like to wake up and not have to take a bunch of things just to function through the day. I want to know what it feels like to be young. I'm in my late 20s and 
to her credit, she immediately understood. And she was like, no, you don't have to take these. Go enjoy. I was really grateful for that. You know, that was really my mindset across the board of like, okay, this was always the goal, right? I always just wanted to live a normal life. I always knew that I was going to be healthy. I always knew that I was going to figure this out. I always knew I was going to get well. I was not going to be sick my whole life. I didn't know how long that was going to take. I didn't know how I was going to get well, but I just, I, there was a knowing deep in my bones, in my cells, like, this is happening. I will live a normal life. And so here I was, to my mind, like, I've, I've reached that point. And I am going to live up the normalcy. I wanted to fully experience what it was to live in the city, enjoy having friends, date, have that full work-life balance of here I am, I'm making a good living and that can supply me with everything that I want to experience and, and all of that. And I don't have to worry about my health. I'm good. And yet here it is only a few months into that where there seems to be this upheaval happening where things are starting to get a little rocky at work and I'm being told by the guides it's kind of time to go and I just didn't want to hear it I did not want to hear it and also quite frankly because this was so early in my journey with all of this as much as I full-on believed it I didn't necessarily understand the magnitude or the urgency I'd like to think that now, it were I to receive such messages, I would understand, hey, when you get these things, you act on them. You don't sit on them for an indefinite period of time and wait for things to fall apart before you move. So I was subleasing until June of that year. And I would say in the springtime, April, May, I'm getting the guidance Go to London. In retrospect, it probably would have made sense. I could have wrapped up the, the sublease and taken off to, to London and who knows where else. But on paper, that just seemed really bizarre to me. I just moved here and now I'm leaving. So I ultimately made the decision to start a new lease for myself in June for that apartment. I was able to go month to month, which did give me some flexibility, but I still was really committing to staying there. I didn't really have an anticipated move out date at that point. So that summer, <laughs> I remember I went hiking with a friend. And if you're familiar with the area, sort of the New York, New Jersey state line, there's a hike on the Palisades called the Giant Stairs. We had driven out of the city, you go over the GW Bridge and there are these giant cliffs on the Palisades going down to the Hudson River. And you hike down to essentially water level. And then there's a really, really long stretch of rock scrambling. And then you hike back up and it's a pretty steep hike. In any case, we had hiked down and we were almost done with the rock scrambling. We'd gone most of the way, no issues. He was in front of me. There were some other people scrambling around us. Um, he was, I don't know how many rocks ahead, but not too far ahead. And we had both paused for some reason. I think it may have been we were letting people come through in the other direction. I don't recall. For whatever reason, we've paused. So I'm standing on the rock that I've landed on. Um, 
and I'm still, I'm relaxed. I'm not shifting my weight. I'm not stepping out to put one foot onto the next rock. I'm really just standing there as I've done many times before. And all of a sudden, it's as if my legs just give out from under me. It's as if someone had come and just knocked my feet out from under me. There was no, this was not initiated by me in any way. And I land on my outside left thigh on the rock that I'd been standing on. And the rock that I was standing on happened to be one where it kind of came to a peak at the top. So it was pretty sharp edge that I landed on. So my friend comes running back towards me because it's a pretty bad spill. And I'm kind of embarrassed because people are looking at me and I've fallen, but I'm also in pain, obviously, but I'm also like really in disbelief of like, what the hell just happened? When you fall, when you have an accident, like you, you kind of know what happened. I had no idea what the hell had just happened. Like I was just standing there and I knew that no other human had pushed me or knocked me over or no other animal or whatever. Nothing that I could see or feel, but it was as if something else knocked me over, had you know pulled my feet and my legs out from under me. And I didn't say that at the time to my friend. I was just kind of, I'm okay, you know, it's fine. And I was evaluating myself of how hurt am I and also dealing with, okay, like we're at the bottom here, you know? So I was able to finish scrambling because we were pretty much done with that. So we finished scrambling and I told my friend like, I'm okay, I can make it, I can do it. And I could, you know, as much as I was in shock and it had really hurt to land my thigh on the, that pointed rock, I was remarkably okay otherwise. That was really the only part of me that had landed there, that had landed on a rock at all. So the rest of me was fine and my leg was working. I was able to walk. So it became now, okay, we have to get up to the top. And I knew that was a challenge under normal circumstances and you haven't just injured yourself. But I knew I had to do it and I knew that I could do it. So we embarked (laughs) to climb back up the Palisades to the top. And I was okay. I think there was adrenaline pumping and I made it to the top. And we actually decided to have a little lunch while we were up there. And as we were having lunch, I remember as we were wrapping up, I started to really feel my leg. It started to really hurt. And I was like, we've got to go. So we drove back into the city and I get back to my apartment. And <laughs> my friend, I remember she had left frozen vegetables in, in the freezer when she left. So I kind of got myself <laughs> over <laughs> to the, the freezer and got those and I put them on my leg. And my sister didn't live too far from where I lived. So I remember calling her, having her come over and getting me some food and stuff because I realized I can't really walk right now. So yeah, really for the rest of the day, the rest of that weekend, I was not really walking. (laughs) 
and the the leg the thigh i should say it bruised it became very colorful (laughs) it looked pretty gruesome to be honest it's summertime so i'm wearing shorts so people saw it and it was like oh my god like what happened to you (laughs) i got a lot of looks some of them looks of real concern but surprisingly after the first couple of days it didn't really hurt anymore it looked terrible but i was able to walk and it it was okay and so i was just kind of like i'll just let it heal and the bruising will go away and whatever that was kind of weird and i think there was a piece of me that as i was learning more and more and understanding about consciousness and energy and all that there was a piece of me that might have thought oh maybe that's a sign but I really don't remember that being a thought that was front and center for me or anything that I really took to heart in that moment of oh this is like a big warning sign I will say that by the time the fall came I realized it it had in fact been. So like late summer, early fall, you know, the bruise has healed. Uh, but now what I see is that I have like a dent in my left thigh. Like seemingly whatever healing is going to have taken place has taken place. The bruising is gone. I'm walking and living perfectly normally, but there's like a dent in my leg where the impact took place, it's it's kind of dented in in my leg and like right above it, it's a little puffier. And if you feel it, you can, you can like feel. So I go to the doctor. I didn't go to the doctor after this happened because I was just kind of like, okay, you know, after a day or two, it, it didn't hurt anymore and I was able to walk and I just kind of feel, felt it was going to heal on its own. So I go to the doctor to inquire about this dent. <laughs> it's not like... Is this something I should be concerned about? Like, is there going to be long-term damage? And also, I'd prefer not to have a dent in my leg. And this was just a GP. He just looked at it and he said, you probably tore, I think he said, tore some tendons. And I said, oh, like, is that serious? (laughs) Because And he's like, well, are you in any pain? And I said, absolutely no pain. And there's no numbness. I don't have any weird tingling or numbness. I have no pain. And he was like, well, if you have no pain, then you can just leave it. But in order to repair it, you'd have to have surgery. And if you were in pain, then you'd have to have surgery. I was just like, you know what? I'll live with the dent. It's fine. I'm, I'm not going to go and have surgery for something that I have no pain for. I function totally normally. So I do have... <laughs> to this day, this dent. And so it is a lasting reminder of the the messages that we get and how they increase in severity the longer we wait. My friend thinks it's hilarious. Anytime he sees, he's like, oh my God, the dented leg. <laughs> but, you know, in retrospect, I was so, so lucky. This was... I believe absolutely a sign and it was designed to wake me up to really be like, Hey, you know, like this is over. It's time to shift. And so it literally 
pulled my feet out from under me and threw me on a rock and dented my leg, which in and of itself is relatively severe. And I think it was designed to be so because I had been ignoring the guidance that I'd been getting. And so it was designed to be like, hey, wake up. But it was also, I believe, very carefully orchestrated and designed that it wasn't a severe injury that would have set me back. I didn't need surgery. And my leg didn't become my focus. It wasn't something that took me off course further where it was like, okay, now I got to like go have surgery and have rehab. And like that would become sort of the center of my attention. It was, I believe, very carefully designed to be just enough of a shock without really bad consequences. I kind of realized that by the time the fall came around because things were really starting to deteriorate at work and it was just, it was becoming a toxic environment for many reasons. And I was starting to really accept the fact that it was time to move. It was time to shift and start something new. And as I looked back, I realized, oh, wow, I was given a really big, loud wake up call that I did not fully receive at the time. And I continued to receive louder and louder messages and nudges because I still wasn't shifting. But as I started to recognize them as such, as signs, as wake up calls, and started to take them more seriously. And then once, of course, I started to take action and move towards making a decision they stopped. But it's a really good reminder. And I think it's a really good example. I've shared this with people in the past. When you're going down a path that is no longer true, or when you're being asked or nudged by the universe to shift, you do get these signs, you do get these warning shots. And they start off relatively small and quiet. And if you listen to them and shift, then that's it. But they will continue to come at you and get louder and louder when you ignore them. And so people have asked me like, well, do you have an example? And so I always tell the dented leg story because it's, it's a great example of something that in retrospect is super obvious. You know, I'd like to think now when I'm much more aware of signs, I would heed that warning and shift, though I'm sure there are plenty of subtle energies happening around me right now that I remain unaware of. But at the time, I didn't really clock this as what it was. And so I think it's a really good example to make people aware in their own lives of, hey, sometimes things happen because they're really trying to get your attention. And it's important that you give them that attention And if you don't, they will get louder. (laughs) They will get more intense. And it's not because it's like out to get. It's because it's trying to shift you to something that is better for you. And you're just not having it. So it's like, okay, what do we have to do to get this girl (laughs) to get on a better path for her own good? So that was that was the timeline really wasn't a long time where I was getting those really big messages of 
move, shift. But I did not walk away even after getting a dented. I stayed on a while longer. I was kind of like, okay, 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 you know. Just kind of proceeded to continue on for a while. And in the months that followed, things got rockier at work in many different ways. And I started to get more uncomfortable, more unhappy. And I also really didn't know what it would look like, like what would be next for me. This had been the only job I'd ever had. Seven years, like that's that's a long time when you're still in your 20s. And so it was odd to me, do I go look for another job? That seemed so strange to me. And also, I was like, is that even what I want? Certainly in the back of my mind, though, I wasn't really admitting it to myself. There was a piece of me that did want to travel. I had studied abroad when I was in college and I was able to do a little traveling while I was there, but I was unable to go on after the program ended with my friends and travel through Europe as they did because I was too unwell. I was able to do the semester, but I, I couldn't continue on for many months after that. And that was fine. And when I first started the, the job, I was able amazingly to take two really cool international trips with friends. But as, as the years went on and I was getting sicker, I, I was unable. I had to pull out of a couple of those other trips and I hadn't really been able to take any of those big trips since then. So I was still feeling like I want to do more of that now that I'm healthy and I have the financial means and I, I have the time. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I do want to take advantage of that while I'm still young. So that was playing in the back of my mind. Also, London was popping up, not just from the spirit guides, but also I worked with people in London. They were saying to me, hey, have you ever thought about transferring to the London office? And here again, just an example of how our intuition speaks to us even when we're young and even when we don't really know it's intuition. I grew up right outside New York City. And so obviously that was the city I'd always go to. Um, but I remember being there as a teen with some friends. And I remember someone saying, isn't it going to be amazing when we're a bit older and we can all move to the city and live here? And I was kind of like, eh. <laughs> um, and I just had this thought as a reaction to that of, I think I'd rather live in London. And I never forgot that. So here I was living in Manhattan and London is calling. <laughs> but I'm just so confused. I just don't really know what to do. Yet there are doors opening for me. I'm getting very direct guidance, but I am holding on. I'm digging in my heels, despite the fact that my exterior world is starting to crumble a little bit, but I am holding it. I don't want you to crumble, right? I want you to be good for a while longer. So as part of this whole process, some of my colleagues arranged for me to take uh, a business trip to the London office for a week, which was really, really awesome. They're like, hey, you've been here all these years. You haven't taken a foreign trip. Go check it out. Go see if that's really something you might want to seriously consider. And so I did. And I got there and I just, I could feel it. This was February of 2015. And I got there and it felt so comfortable you just land in certain places and you're like yeah this is one of my places 
And so I got there and I was like, yeah, I could definitely see myself living here. But I want to tra- go travel first. And I should say that I had a close friend or two at the time that was nudging me in that direction and just saying, you know what, Katie, why don't you just quit and travel for a while? Because I really respected them and trusted them and knew that they were giving me this suggestion because they felt it was it was best for me, not because they had any agenda. And in them doing so, it was helping me to slowly give myself permission to really consider this as an option. I'm there with um, my two bosses and I make this decision of, I want to live in London, but I want to travel first. And so now I start freaking out. It's, it's like, oh shit, that means I have to take action. You know, like, uh, okay, am I really ready to pull the trigger here and quit? And am I really ready for what comes with quitting? Do I really understand what happens when I quit a job? Because again, like this has been this great, really one of the only constants in my life for seven years, this job. And it got handed to me on a silver platter. I haven't taken it for granted, but I've taken it for granted in that it's been the constant. And so do I fully comprehend what happens if I remove that giant constant? Am I ready to step into what comes next and what comes next after that? It's like, okay, quit and go traveling. But what happens when you get back from your trip? It it was overwhelming in that moment of, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. (laughs) And so I'm messaging a couple of friends uh, and colleagues like, oh my God, I, I think I... I think I have to give notice. And that's what I did. (laughs) So I sat down with my boss who, he was a relatively new boss. He come on, you know, a few months prior. And I had been very open and honest with him when he came on. Because when he was coming on, he asked me to be his chief of staff. And I was like, listen, I need to be transparent with you, especially when you're offering me the role of your chief of staff. I'm not sure how much longer I'm going to be here. Even that was a little risky because you're telling someone, I have one foot out the door. They could be like, okay, well then just leave. I'll bring in someone who's fully committed and wants to be here. But what he and I had agreed at that time, which was kind of around the holidays, was, okay, let's see how it goes. I was helping him with the transition and in doing so, getting time to figure out what I wanted to do next and we both know this is on the table and, and we'll see what happens. And so there I am knocking on the door a few months later in London saying, I need to leave. But I think he was definitely taken aback. I don't think he expected it to be so soon. Uh, and he said to me, explain to me why you need to do this. And again, this is someone I really didn't have much of a relationship with. I had a multi-year relationship with pretty much everyone else in the group. but he was a relative stranger to me, but he was my boss. I I was his, if nothing else, very new, very interim chief of staff. And I said, okay. And I just gave him a brief history of where I'd been in this whole health journey and why this was my shot to just go travel and go explore and figure out what I want in my life. And he was like, you're right. You do need to do this. That was amazing. Um, 
And we agreed also that, because I wasn't even really ready to leave in like two weeks. This wasn't a two weeks notice sort of thing. I still had my apartment. I needed to wrap my brain around, okay, so I'm going to go travel indefinitely. Let me go research that a little bit. So he was like, just tell me when you want to go. We decided around the beginning of April was when I would go. So I had about six or seven weeks between when I gave notice and when I actually left, which was really, really awesome. I was month to month with my apartment, so I was able to give notice on that and start to wrap things up and shit was starting to get real now. The decision had been made. The point of this whole story was when I was resisting, you know, like, I have to tell you, I almost didn't get on the plane to London for that trip during which I really connected to London knew I was going to end up living there at some point and ultimately gave notice. I had be- gotten into this really funky headspace where I was just really upset and I was just functioning. I was just showing up and doing work, but I I had really lost my mojo. I didn't know what I wanted next. I was still healing, quite frankly. I didn't understand how many layers of healing there were going to be. Like the physical, that's just the top layer. And, and I'll get into that in yet another episode talking about the healing and the body-mind-spirit connection and understanding, okay, there are emotions that need to be worked through, both from sort of a PTSD coming out the other end of an illness, but also what were the emotions that contributed to me getting ill in the first place? That was something I had yet to even start to unpack. And the one sort of big constant structure that I relied on, my job, that was starting to unravel people that I knew were giving notice, that family was breaking apart. And that was unsettling to me as well. So now here I am, I'd been granted this great opportunity to go fly business class to London just to see if that's something I'm interested in. And it took every ounce of my being to get in the the car, to be driven to the airport, to get on the plane and go. So it, it just goes to show how worn down I had become because I had resisted for so long making the change that I was being called to make. The pathway had been laid out in front of me and all I needed to do was put one foot in front of the other and follow that path. Even though I didn't necessarily know where that was going and even though it seemed like I was on a perfectly good path, but in refusing to do so, I made it a lot harder for myself and the path that I had been on that I thought was all good and that I was so keen on keeping alive. You have to let things die. When things are no longer working, you have to let them die. And I was trying to breathe life into it rather than just going with where I was being guided to go next. So that was an instance where I walked away But I walked away later after a lot of resistance and really only after the situation became untenable and when it was obvious, like, okay, you have to make a change. And so in that way, the energy behind it was more of an escape rather than a leap. I had been invited to leap months earlier, and instead I waited until it became my escape hatch because the existing was not good anymore. 
it still had magic behind it because ultimately I did make the leap. It did make the change, but there was this other energy behind it. Ultimately, I did take that action powerfully. I really did take full responsibility for it and, and full steam ahead. But in that interim period, I was in a very fearful state because I'd just been so knocked off course and knocked off my equilibrium a little bit. So the energy was a little funky behind it, but I was able to come back around and clear that out and claim it from a much more powerful space of this is my conscious choice. This is what I'm doing because this is what I desire. And I was able to let go of any worry of like, yeah, but then what? <laughs> I really went into it of I'm quitting my job. I'm going traveling. I have no idea what comes next. But I also am not concerned about that in any way because I'm not putting any expectation on this trip like, okay, well, during this trip, I'm going to have to figure out what comes next. But I am open to I may figure out what comes next because who knows? Let's see what happens on this trip. It's a good story to me in that it shows the very human tendency of wanting to hold on at times when you're being invited to walk away. It shows the consequences of what happens when you don't or when you're very slow <laughs> to make that shift, as well as the energetic difference, like I said, between the, the escaping versus leaping. And also, how do you know when? Like, if I had been really honest with myself, if I hadn't been so obsessed with living this normal life and holding on to this normal life that I had worked so hard for, if I had been able to get to a place of energetic neutrality, which I didn't even like know was a thing at the time, you know? But now I would know to just be like, okay, if I'm getting this guidance and I'm also starting to see that maybe things aren't working around me, let me take a step back here and detach from what I think I want. Because me wanting the normalcy, that was a fantastical when I was getting well. But it came, became a very egoic obsession because I wasn't willing to entertain anything else, including potentially better things, things that would serve me and my higher self because I was so blind and I know I, ha I need this normalcy. So if I had been able to take a step back and just look at it objectively and also feel into myself and the energy of the situation, I would have realized, okay, it's time to go. And it would have been probably a tougher leap to make because other people around me would have been like, oh, why are you leaving? You just moved to New York City. Because to most people, it would have looked like on the outside, like that's a strange choice. Whereas by the time I did leave, it didn't seem like a strange choice to people because it was like, yeah, okay, you've lived there for over a year now colleagues understood because they're like yeah i'm leaving too you know the humans saw the evidence and so it was easy for the human minds to be like yeah that makes sense we support this whereas oftentimes if you are following your intuition in the early stages a it's going to be much more powerful and b it's tougher because you have to put your human aside as well as the opinions and judgments or what you deem to be the opinions and judgments of others because even if they can't understand it and even if your human can understand it this is what's true to do 
and you're owning that. So that's my story of <laughs> making the leap and walking away from my job. The other thing I want to touch on in the context of walking away is reframing your current situation and possibly not walking away. And it speaks a bit to the whole energy of escaping. So I often work with people who are going through a life change or considering a life change, whether that be a career change or, you know, a big move or a big lifestyle change, whatever it is. If we take job, because it's just an easy enough example, the thing that's that's kind of in vogue is to just be like, I fucking hate this and I'm leaving. Like, I'm just going to leave and we'll see what happens after that. And certainly that can be a viable option. And in many cases, it may very well be true that it's time to change jobs. But even though I ended up leaving my job, it's not something that I just automatically advocate for. I'm all for living the truth and designing your life to be as free as you want it to be. But I'm also careful to have people make sure that they really evaluate their situation and again, it, it comes back to coming back to a, a place of neutrality. By the time you're really seriously considering a change, you probably have a pretty large emotional charge around it, just like I did. I let my situation go on and on and on so that it was, it was steeped <laughs> in so much more than it would have been if I had acted earlier. But when you find yourself in the situation where you're kind of ready to just pull the trigger, it's really important to take a step back and just evaluate the situation from a place of neutrality. And that may mean getting help to do that from someone else who doesn't have any emotional ties to it. But it's also a really good thing to start to develop within yourself too of, let me just detach from the emotions that I have around this. And it's not a matter of looking at it logically completely or looking at it intuitively completely. It's just when I let go and I'm no longer attached to, I have to fix this situation and I have figured out what the answer is, which is to just leave. When instead you can just say to yourself, okay, I'm in this situation. And like, I prefer that it was different, <laughs> you know, but I accept that it is my current reality. But I also know that I can make changes now and move myself to a different situation. It's that subtle difference between, I have to fix this because I cannot tolerate this situation to, okay, I'm in a situation it is what it is. What is true to do right now? What do I truly desire? What is in my best interest? That's 
the difference. And so it may be that you say to yourself, okay, I don't actually need to blow everything up. I don't need to just like quit the corporation completely and be like F you to everyone on the way out. Maybe I need to start exploring. Okay, you know what? Actually, there's a lot that I like about what the company at least once offered me through this job. But right now, working with you know this boss has become untenable. So maybe I need to just explore other opportunities within the company. Maybe I switch offices or maybe I just start working for a different group or a different department. Or maybe, you know, I thought that I hated this work, but if I'm honest with myself, I do love this kind of work and I want to stay in this industry. I've just been so turned off by where I currently work. So let me reach out to some friends that maybe I graduated with or whatever it is and see how they're doing and see what their jobs are like. And maybe there's a different way to approach the work I do that's just not this particular job. You know, so you're, you're making a change, but you're not blowing everything up for the sake of blowing it up because you're just so fed up. So those are instances where walking away may be just walking away from a very particular situation. It doesn't mean walking away from a larger way of life or a larger career or something like that. And that's where we gauge and we connect to, okay, what's really the truth? What am I really being called to do? And also, what, what do I want? I'm unhappy, but what really is making me unhappy? Is it really everything or is it just actually a small piece? Or like me, am I ready for something totally different? You know, I've worked with people who trained in a particular industry, kind of got fed up with it or frustrated with it for whatever reason and went and trained and started a whole new career and found, yeah, I'm not really feeling this in working together they've reconnected to their original love for the the first industry they were working in. And there would be a lot of fear that would come up of going back because like, oh God, it didn't work out the first time. But realizing, okay, but I worked in this part of that industry and that doesn't really speak to me, but I'm actually really open and curious about this aspect. So let me try that. And that ended up working. Now, in these situations, both my story of leaving my career and others who have made different life decisions, including changing jobs, for the most part, they were changes that really directly impacted themselves and there wasn't a huge impact directly on other people. So sure, yes, in the way that everything's connected, one person's decision does have an impact on other people. If you quit your job, your boss is impacted, your coworkers are impacted, potentially your family is impacted in that there's a, a change in your income or there's a change in your daily schedule. But in weighing that decision, you're not necessarily weighing, will someone be upset with me? Will I potentially have to sacrifice a relationship? Will I really ruffle feathers here? Is this going to really upset people because 
either they don't understand what I'm doing or they think it's going to really rock their world in what they deem to be an unfair way. I have experience in other cases making decisions that definitely ruffled feathers. And that came with very real consequences where there were sacrifices that had to be made and I had to choose one over the other. And I knew that going in, in the walking away from the job story, had I made that decision earlier, I might've turned more heads and people might've questioned it more. And that would have been a potential consequence being judged and choosing to do it anyway. But I probably wouldn't have lost any relationships over it because it would have been like, all right, that's your choice, but it's not really affecting anyone else. It's the times when we are called to make decisions that directly or even indirectly impact others that can be really, really tricky because we don't want to hurt other people, especially people that we care about. But at the same time, we're being called to make this decision. And in our heart of hearts, we know it is the true decision to make, but we know, okay, this is going to piss some people off or this is, this is going to hurt someone. And as such, this may change the relationship going forward. This may end the relationship going forward. And that's, can be a tough pill to swallow. And that's where I want to pick up in our next episode. It'll be part two of walking away, focusing on what happens when you're faced with a situation where walking away may really hurt others around you or may really change or end relationships that you care about. Being prepared for those consequences and moving forward anyway. So that's where I will leave it for today. Thank you so much for joining today's episode and I will see you for part two of Walking Away, which will be episode three. Thanks so much. Talk to you then.